Welcome to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Shannon. Today, we're going to talk about exercise's role on leanness or fat loss. I get a lot of questions about weight loss, like, should I add more cardio? Is Evlo enough exercise for weight loss? How do I lose belly fat? Short answer, it's diet, not exercise. But I want to explain all of the research around this and exercise's potential contribution to fat loss, but it's probably not contributing to fat loss in the way you may think. So my hope is to avoid contributing to diet culture's view on exercise as punishment and as a way to quote unquote shrink your body. My hope is that this information will help give your brain evidence to exercise for yourself instead of against yourself. And my hope that it will help you carve a more clear path towards your goals without as much frustration. So in this episode, I'll present the research on exercise and fat loss and exercise effect on metabolism, which it can ultimately aid in fat loss. At the end of this episode, I'll kind of summarize everything as I usually do and give you a practical plan for yourself going forward. Before we get into this episode, it's important to address something. Being as lean as possible is not necessarily healthy or recommended. And I need to acknowledge and understand that there may be many of you listening who don't need to focus on leanness at all. Maybe you focus on building muscle or maybe you focus on overall keeping your heart healthy and all those things, but maybe leanness doesn't need to be a focus. There's a state called low energy availability, LEA, which affects those who are very active, but they're not eating enough. So the risks of LEA can be serious and can have long-term serious implications, hormonal issues, bone density issues, suppression of your reproductive system. So you can like lose your period or maybe even cause infertility, mental disorders, and more. Sometimes LEA, low energy availability, can happen unintentionally if you're very active and you're just not educated about eating enough. So there's zero judgment here at all. But here are the symptoms of LEA. And if you're experiencing any of these or think you may be experiencing these, I would highly, highly suggest seeking the help of a mental health professional and or a registered dietitian. So here are the symptoms, irregular or missing menstrual cycles, fatigue, mood problems like irritability and depression. If you're getting sick all the time, a lot of injuries are constantly in pain or um, getting a lot of stress fractures, decreased libido, increased GI issues, and poor or decreased training adaptation. So you're not seeing results from your workouts. Not to go off on too much of a tangent here, but I just cannot emphasize the importance of getting ahead of this if you may think that you are experiencing LEA. And I say this coming from a place where I was likely experiencing LEA myself years ago. I had all of these symptoms and more. So many of you know my history of over-exercising in my early 20s prior to starting FLO and experiencing all kinds of symptoms. I had crazy fatigue, chronic pain all over my body, mental health issues, sleep issues. And I'll tell this story because I'll never forget this. I was in a clinical rotation my third year of physical therapy school, and this was kind of at the height of my over-exercise and under-eating stage. So in the last year of physical therapy school, you do clinical rotations where you work under another physical therapist and they periodically will sit you down and give you feedback. So during one of my feedback sessions, my clinical instructor at the time, I'll never forget, called me Spacey and said that 
It's like I wasn't there when I was with patients. And I will never forget that because at the time I was so upset by that because I remember being exhausted, but truly trying my hardest to focus and be attentive. Like it took all of me to be there for every single patient. I just remember being exhausted, but trying so, so hard. And I remember thinking to myself, I I don't think I have anything left to give. I truly think that I am doing everything I can to be present and aware, and it's still not enough. My instructor's noticing that I'm spacey or like I'm not all there. And at the time, I just thought there was something wrong with me. I thought, you know, maybe I had bad ADD and I needed to get on ADD medication. But looking back, I think it was because I was overextending myself physically and not eating enough. And Therefore, I wasn't getting quality sleep. I wasn't recovering. And it was just kind of this vicious cycle of just trying to stay above water. And I share this because I want to be a voice that it does not need to be this way. And that a lot of times this happens to people unintentionally. I truly did not know that you weren't supposed to do that. I was operating in the exercise is good. So that must mean more exercise is better and intense exercise is good. High intensity exercise has all these health benefits. Okay. That must mean that's what I need to do all the time. And I was operating under the eat less, move more. If you want to, if you don't want to gain weight or if you want to lose weight, you've got to eat less, you've got to move more. So I thought all of these symptoms I was experiencing, like the crazy brain fog and the joint pain and the mood issues and all these things was normal. I thought that this was just like the side effects of a quote unquote healthy lifestyle of eating well and exercising a lot. No one told me that it was because I was doing way, way too much. So now that I no longer have all this severe mental fog, I don't feel like I have to take a nap in the middle of the day. I don't feel like I have to give all of my energy just to try to pay attention to a conversation. I see better results from my training. I'm actually able to gain muscle for the first time in my life. I'm able to sleep through the night. I have better relationships because I'm not (laughs) moody and I'm not starving all the time and my body doesn't hurt. All these things, I'm like, ah, if I could just tell my younger self, it doesn't need to be this way. You can stop this sooner. I wish I would have known that. I will never go back to exercising more and more and eating as little as possible because now I know that number one, it's not necessary. And number two, the health implications can really affect your life. So all I want to do is call attention to this because I'm sure I'm not the only one who thought that this was a normal part of being fit. I'm here to educate and encourage that there is another way. So anyway, if you think you may be where I was, again, zero judgment, this is your permission to turn off this episode and potentially reach out to someone who can help you. I wish there would have been someone who have told me that it's so much better on the other side. So I hope that I can be that person for those of you who may be struggling right now. Okay. All that said, if you're still here listening to this episode, it's because you have identified that you would like to get leaner and that it wouldn't be a health risk for you to embark on that goal. So let's dig into this episode and exercise's effect on leanness. And I mostly want to do this ep- this episode because we get a lot of questions about it and it is a goal for a lot of people to get leaner and I don't want to tell someone that they shouldn't have that goal. I want to make sure that you are educated around this if that is your goal so that you can support you in a really healthy way. Here's the bottom line up front. Based on all the research, exercise is just not that effective for getting leaner. And I'll cite a bunch of systematic reviews and other studies in the show notes below. 
Exercise may have some effects on leanness and fat loss, but it's probably for different reasons than you think or than you've been taught. So a systematic review, which a systematic review is one of the more quality forms of research since it reviews other great studies and pools together a bunch of information. So this systematic review pulled data from 80 different studies that looked at exercise alone for weight loss. So just exercise, these people were not in calorie deficits. They were just trying to exercise for fat loss or weight loss. These studies were included if they followed participants for over a year. So this is not short-term studies. These are longer-term studies, again, which further improves the quality of the systematic review. The conclusion from this review was that exercise without dietary restriction does not produce significant weight loss. Exercise without dietary restriction does not produce significant weight loss. For decades, we've been taught that exercise is a part of the equation for weight loss eat less, move more. And it makes us think that it's 50-50. It's 50% exercise. It's 50% nutrition. And the truth is exercise really is not as important for weight loss as we've been led to believe. Study after study after study after study show that exercise alone provides modest fat loss, maybe three-ish pounds, if any. But why do so many people still believe that exercise is a tool for fat loss, especially cardio? A combination of history and advertising is why. (laughs) Resistance training is actually relatively new as an exercise modality, which I think a lot of people forget. It really only gained popularity in the 70s, and even then it was mostly men. So resistance training as a modality for exercise is pretty new for women. And until recently, there have not been super high quality studies around the effects of resistance training and fat loss for women. And they're definitely still emerging. But the general public, I would say, is still behind because the media will still portray that a sweaty calorie burning fitness class is what will drive results, aka fat loss. So even many of the leaders in the fitness industry are still holding on to this old school mentality that the calorie burn is what will move the needle. So it makes sense that our thought process around exercise for fat loss is to do more cardio and that if you want to lose weight, you got to move more. I cannot tell you how many people who I I tell them what I do. I tell them I own a fitness platform and they say, oh, I need to get on that because I need to lose weight. And (laughs) they probably don't like this very much, but I say weight loss is diet. I say it every time because it is so common for people to think that, oh, I need to hit the gym. I got to lose weight. I got to go hit the gym. But the truth is weight loss comes down to a calorie deficit, which means calories in have to be fewer than calories out. And I'm going to interview a registered dietitian about starvation mode and if there's exceptions to this, but for the most part, that's the law of thermodynamics. It will dictate weight loss, that calories in have to be fewer than calories out. But it's confusing because, well, exercise burns calories. So if we just exercise more, then we'll accelerate weight loss. We'll increase our daily deficit and lose weight faster. The problem is that it's very difficult to actually account for all of the calories that you're burning. And I'll talk about why this happens here in a moment, but most fitness trackers will overestimate calorie burn. So here's what happens to a lot of people when they want to lose weight. They'll get a calorie tracker, a fitness watch, an aura ring, whatever it is, and they will start to track how many calories they're burning in a day. But a study, which I'll cite in the show notes, evaluated several popular fitness trackers and their ability to reliably calculate energy expenditure or calorie burn. And the study basically concluded that none of them provide reliable information on energy expenditure or calorie burn. So it is very difficult for these trackers to reliably account for all of the calories that you're burning. 
But because many people use watches as a tool to help them lose weight, they end up frustrated when they're exercising a ton and they're quote unquote eating clean and they're still not seeing results, which by the way, this is something I hear all the time. People say, I'm working out, I'm eating clean, and I'm still not seeing fat loss results. Eating clean in a calorie deficit can be very different things, right? Because you can still eat clean whole foods and still eat in a calorie surplus and end up not losing weight or even gaining weight. And again, we're going to talk about diet a little bit more in the episode next week with the RD. But there are many reasons for the lack of fat loss results. But one of them is because focusing on exercise as your weight loss tool can contribute to compensatory mechanisms with eating. Because remember, doesn't really matter how much you're burning because if you're eating more than you're burning, you're not going to lose weight. So let's take an example. Let's say you're eating around 2000 calories to be in a slight deficit for weight loss. And I'm 2000 calories doesn't mean anything. It's just, I'm using that as a round number. So you exercise and your fitness tracker says that you burn 400 calories. So now in order to technically be in a deficit, you just have to eat less than 2,400 calories because we worked out, we added that additional 400 calories to your deficit. But what happens is our bodies compensate for the calories we're burning in a workout by unintentionally making you more stationary or borrowing from other calorie expending processes. This is a model called the constrained total energy expenditure model, which I'm going to get into in detail in a moment. So basically your fitness watch tells you that you burned 400 calories, but maybe you really only burned 200 or maybe even less than that. So you end up eating the 2,400 calories thinking that you can still stay in your deficit when really you might be eating a surplus of like 200 calories for the day. And that can start to add up, right? So this is why I don't recommend using your fitness watch at all. I don't recommend paying attention to the calories that your fitness watch will tell you you burn because it's going to be very, very inaccurate and probably lead to frustrating results. I did a workshop in January that's actually free to the public. And in this workshop, it's in the show notes below if you want to get it. I teach you what your total daily energy expenditure is. I teach you how to kind of roughly calculate that for yourself. And then we talk through how to eat based on that for fat loss and body recomposition. I don't recommend tracking exercise calories or adding that to your daily deficit or looking at that at all since it's going to be so unreliable. And again, I walk you through this whole process in the workshop. So if you want that workshop, you can click below and sign up for that. Okay, so exercise alone does not result in significant weight loss just from a calorie burning standpoint. However, it may indirectly influence fat loss because of some metabolic adaptations. It can also help improve eating behaviors. It might help improve your sleep. It might help improve your overall activity, which may factor into your overall weight loss. But as far as just from a calorie burning standpoint, that's not why you will lose weight. Exercise and calorie burning (laughs) means almost nothing as far as weight loss. So it's less about the amount of energy you're expending in your workout itself and more about how your workouts affect your metabolic processes. This is why it's so important to work out smarter rather than harder. So let's get into this. There's an interesting theory, which I touched on at the beginning of this episode, and I've talked about many times on this podcast. It's called the constrained total energy expenditure model. So Historically, we believed that you could just exercise more and dig yourself into a deeper and deeper and deeper calorie deficit. The conventional wisdom was that the more you burned, the quicker your weight loss, that you can accelerate weight loss by just burning more calories. But this seems to be flawed 
and that our bodies don't just burn and burn and burn. We tend to compensate after lots of exercise by borrowing calories from other processes to keep you within a narrow window of calorie burn. So what happens is you may unintentionally decrease how much you move around, which is called NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. Your mental processing may slow down, which by the way, mental processing takes up a ton of energy. I read that it's like 20% of your energy expenditure is just used by your brain, which makes a lot of sense. Your GI may slow. So digestion may slow down. Cell turnover may slow. So you're not actually digging yourself into a deeper hole as far as calorie expenditure. When you're just adding more and more exercise, your body's going to borrow from other processes to keep you within a narrow window. This is why over-exercise can affect all the systems of your body. It can make you feel tired. It can make you look older. It can make your body hurt. It can make you feel mentally foggy. So endless exercise is really not the answer. We want to do enough to simulate the good things, which I'll talk about here in a moment, but not so much that it backfires because it's actually not improving your calorie deficit anyway. So you're kind of grinding yourself down for really not a good payoff. Okay. So calorie burning may not matter as much as we thought, but what about how exercise uses fat as fuel to power your movements? Let's talk about this. So the act of exercising itself will use different fuel sources to power your movements in the moment, depending on the intensity. Lower intensity exercise like steady state cardio use fat as their fuel source. And then once you get to higher intensities, your body shifts away from using fatty acids as as the fuel source and they shift to using glycogen. So they use glycogen that's stored in the liver and the muscles. Although cardio uses fat as its fuel source, the amount of fat burned in a cardio session is likely pretty insignificant and may not result in much overall fat loss. Because if we think about it, the amount of time you're actually exercising is very little in relation to the overall energy that your body uses throughout the day just to keep you alive and keep all your systems functioning and running. Interestingly, Although strength training close to failure, so using your muscles with high intensity and HIIT classes don't burn fat in the moment, it may be overall more beneficial for fat burning after the fact because of strength training, building muscle, and HIIT's effect on your metabolism. So high intensity where you're using your muscles at a high threshold, so you're doing a hard set of chest presses or step ups or whatever it may be, and you're asking your muscles to work really hard. Or if you're doing a HIIT session where you are going all out, your muscles are having, again, to work really hard to complete these movements. This type of exercise may decrease abdominal fat more than aerobic activity, even if calorie expenditure is the same. So if you have two workouts, a cardio workout and a HIIT workout or a strength training workout, even though the strength training workout and the HIIT workout aren't burning fat in the moment, they may decrease abdominal fat more than the aerobic activity. What? Why is that? (laughs) So let's explain. As exercise intensity increases, as your muscles are demanding more and more fuel, your body uses stored glycogen in the muscles and in the liver instead of fatty acids, like I said earlier. So let's say you're finishing that hard set of chest presses. In the last few reps, your pace is really slowed down. You're struggling. You're tapping into some bigger muscle fibers to complete the movement. You're getting close to that failure point. 
um, all these things that we cue in our classes all the time, your body will begin to use stored glycogen in your muscles to power those last few reps, which will empty the stores of glycogen in your muscles and your liver. Because you have emptied these sites, a few things happen. Number one, your body prefers to keep these storage sites topped off because these glycogen sites within your muscle and your liver are kind of your emergency stores. They are going to be emptied anytime you would have to say like run away from a tiger and use your muscles at a really high intensity. So your body wants to keep these kind of constantly topped off every time you refeed yourself or every time you eat. So when you eat food, the first place your food will be stored, if there is room, is in the glycogen sites in your muscle and liver. Anything left over, once those sites have been topped off, goes to fat. So when you exercise and use your muscles hard, like if you're doing HIIT or strength training close to failure, you empty these glycogen stores. That means that the next time you eat, your food goes there instead of to fat stores. If you are never doing exercise where you're depleting these storage sites and you're only doing cardio, you could see how you're never emptying these storage sites and anything you eat is being shuttled to fat instead of being shuttled to these glycogen sites for later use. And then the second thing that happens is that you have to work to replenish these stores after your workout, which requires fat as fuel to complete the processes. So when you work your muscles and you deplete these storage sites, your body has to put in energy to replenish them, which can be used, which fat can be used as a fuel source to complete that. So this can train your body to quickly shift from carb burning to fat burning and improve what's called metabolic flexibility, which can ultimately improve your body's ability to use fat as fuel. But if you're mainly focusing on cardio and you're never emptying these storage sites, you're never getting close to failure in your muscles, you're never challenging your muscles at a high degree, you may be burning a bit of fat during the cardio session itself, but it's not likely to be significant and you likely aren't going to see a huge change unless, of course, you're in a calorie deficit. Whereas if you're resistance training close to failure, you're sprinkling in some hit, which I'm going to talk about this in a moment, you're sprinkling in, yes, some lower intensity cardio and you're in a calorie deficit, you're going to be kind of hitting it from all angles and you're likely going to have the best results. Now that sounds really overwhelming and it sounds like it's a lot. It really does not have to be as much as you think. Again, I'm going to talk about it at the end of the episode, but I think just understanding that we're not just focusing on cardio. We are also definitely focusing on how we're eating and that focusing on strengthening your muscles and challenging your muscles to a high degree may have a bigger impact on your metabolic flexibility and therefore your body's ability to use fat as fuel. What about increasing your step count to accelerate weight loss? This is something that I see on social media a lot to increase your step count. Again, without calorie restriction, increasing steps alone is not likely to result in significant weight loss. So a study that I'll cite in the show notes increased people's steps over a period of 16 weeks. And all they saw was about three pounds of weight loss, which is less than 0.2 pounds per week, which is really not very significant. Increasing your step count can improve your risk of cardiovascular disease, improve overall health, may contribute to some weight maintenance. So I'm not saying don't do it at all. I'm not saying don't be more active. I'm just saying that the efficacy as far as weight loss and fat loss is likely going to be pretty limited. I still walk like 10 to 30 minutes a day, but I can tell you that last year I lost fat and I body recompositioned. I've talked about this in past episodes. 
I did not change my step count at all. My step count was the exact same as it's been for several years. It was all nutrition for me. So increasing your step count and potentially giving yourself overuse injuries because you're walking so much and you're not allowing your body to recover from your strength training sessions is not productive. So based on all of this information, what are the takeaways? How much exercise should you be doing if leanness is your goal? So first, diet is going to be much more important. You cannot outrun your fork. Just adding more exercise is not going to move the needle much unless diet is dialed first. Second, it seems from the research that a combination of cardio, a tiny bit of hit, focusing on building muscle, and diet will ultimately be the most effective for improving leanness and exercise may also help maintain leanness. So focusing on building muscle, making sure that those sets are getting close to failure. So you're emptying your glycogen stores and you're using your muscles at a high intensity. I think people think think of high intensity and they think of jump squats and cycling and sprinting and things like that. Well, high intensity is also going to be those last several reps of your set where your muscles are having to work really, really hard and call in different types of fuel sources to complete the movement. How much strength training should you do in a week to, if leanness is your goal and if improving this metabolic flexibility is your goal? I like to say, just try to hit each muscle group one to two times per week on non-consecutive days. Set work is important, right? So you'll do, you can superset like we do in Evlo. You can work one muscle group and while that muscle group is resting, you can work another muscle group. For instance, you could do chest presses and then while your chest is resting, you can do some kickstand rows and work the back or whatever it may be, getting close to that failure point and making sure that you're programming your workouts so you're not overusing certain muscle groups. Again, Evlo is a great program for building muscle, which will ultimately improve your metabolic flexibility. So you can try us for 14 days for free if you'd like. The link is in the show notes. So that's as far as like how much exercise you should be doing. What about HIT? How much HIT should you be doing? HIT is also potentially beneficial for metabolic flexibility. However, you really do not need a lot, and I think people way overdo this. One to two sessions per week of all-out intensity is all you need. These sessions are short because if they're too long, you won't be able to get to max intensity and it won't you won't be getting the same benefits of metabolic flexibility. So keep the sessions really short, 20 minutes, I'd say, about max. Other people will have different opinions, but I like 20 minutes or less. We do a 15-minute cardio burst in Evlo each week. That's including warm-up and cool-down. So the work portion is very, very brief. And because it's so brief, you're able to physically and emotionally get through it and actually put in all of your effort. So one, two sessions max per week in addition to your strength training. As far as cardio, you can incorporate about 150 minutes per week in addition to strength training and HIIT. That's all you really need. So you're getting some light intensity. Think like you could still breathe in and out through your nose or you could still have a conversation, but your heart is starting to beat faster and you're getting to the point where maybe you want to start to breathe in and out of your nose. So we have our low impact cardio burst on Evlo, which is a 15 minute moderate intensity, light to moderate intensity class. You could take that every day. If you want, you could get out and walk, brisk walk. You can go up and down the stairs. It all adds up. So if you like to do cardio and you want to do more than 150 minutes per week, as long as you're honest with yourself of, okay, I'm 
hitting my strength training sessions. I'm doing my hit and I like cardio and I want to add a little bit more because I just enjoy it. As long as you're being honest with yourself that you're recovering from your sessions, then go for it. But again, if you feel like I am getting sore all over, I'm not recovering from my workouts. I'm feeling weaker. I'm not sleeping. I'm getting mood issues. I feel like I'm getting sick all the time. Those are all indicators that you need to dial it back because ultimately more is not going to be more productive. It's going to backtrack you. So that's as far as dosage. As far as tracking, I don't recommend really tracking anything. I say the 150 minutes per week and I don't actually track how much I get. I just kind of ballpark it every week and that has worked really well for me. So don't worry about getting that perfect. If you get a little bit more cool, if you get a little bit less, no big deal. I also don't recommend tracking calories burned like I talked about extensively in this episode. Don't even pay attention to that or add it to your overall daily burn. This can often lead to overeating because a lot of times fitness watches or trackers will overestimate the amount of calories you're burning. So you may end up overshooting how much you're eating or what can often happen is you may discount a workout that could be very beneficial for that metabolic flexibility and improving muscle mass just because it didn't burn as many calories. Because many strength workouts are really not going to burn that many calories, even if you're using your muscles at a high intensity, even if you're getting close to that failure point, a lot of times they're not going to be burning a lot of calories. And even HIIT workouts likely won't burn very many calories either since they're on the shorter end. So I like to say, just get used to paying zero attention to how many calories that is that are coming out of your body every day. So don't even track that. Don't even pay attention to that is my personal recommendation. So... Given all of this information, I think that we tend to overestimate the effects of exercise on fat loss and underestimate diet's effect. Exercise is really not that great of a fat loss tool, but it may play a small part. Listen to next week's episode where we will talk all about diet and leanness, which will honestly move the needle for you so much more than focusing on doing a bunch of exercise. Okay, I hope this episode is enlightening. If you enjoyed it, remember to leave a rating and review. We do not take advertising on this podcast, so I rely on word of mouth and on um, reviews to grow. So I so appreciate a rating and review. Thank, thank you to those of you who have already left one, and we will see you all next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.